You're listening to a recent sermon from Covenant Church. For more information or other sermons like this one, you can find us at covenantchurchonline.com. And now, here's a word from our pastor, Travis Davenport. Um, Just to give you a little bit of insight on my childhood, um, growing up in a pastor's house, Sunday was not an option for us, right? And so uh, every Sunday we were in church, and uh, every Sunday morning without fail, my dad would walk into my bedroom 6 a.m., open the blinds, turn on the lights, and say, get up, it's time to go to church, get alive, awake, enthusiastic, every single Sunday morning, and that's why I grew up hating church. All right, just joking. And uh, now I'm a pastor, so I get to do the exact same thing to my kids. That's just is awesome. I love it. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to be today. And uh, today is a core five Sunday. I'm excited about that. We're taking five Sundays out of the year, and we're trying to define the culture of our church. And so we have these phrases, these cultural statements. And uh, today, our cultural phrase, our core five phrase that we're learning about and talking about is this. We invest in life change. So if Covenant Church is your home and this is where you have planted your roots and you are growing and um, where God has called you to be, then uh, one of the phrases that should define you as a person who calls us their home is somebody who invests in life change. We're going to explain that more in a minute, but I'm inviting you to open up to Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 14. And I know you just sat down, but I'm going to ask if you would, let's just stand in honor of God's word and the reading of God's word. Starting verse 14, it says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two, to another one, uh, one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. Verse 16, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. Pretty good investment. He, so also he who had the two talents made Two talents more. Verse 18, and this is, uh, this is my favorite verse here. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. So we call a Kentucky bank account. Verse 19. That was a joke. All right, verse 19. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 22. And he also called, and he also, uh, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents, and I have made Two talents more, verse 23. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. Now notice how the master reacts, verse 26. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming I should have received what was mine 
own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the guy who has 10 talents. Verse 29. For to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But for, from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning asking you to speak to us through your word. That's why we're here, to worship you, to hear from you. Father, I don't know what kind of week anyone in here has, has really had, <laughs> um, whether it's been a good week, a tough week, a bad week. But Lord, we all have things that we bring in to church with us, Lord, burdens and uh, challenges, things that people are going through in this room that no one else would even know about right now. Maybe not even family members. Lord, we want to give those things to you right now. Lord, and I ask that you would clear our minds and open up our hearts and our hands to receive what you want to say to us today. And as we talk about this very oftentimes touchy subject of money, Lord, I pray that truly, once again, we would hear from you. We'd hear from you. That we'd have conviction and joy at the same time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. So I really don't watch that much TV, to be honest with you, um, but we do have a tradition, as I've mentioned before, every Sunday evening, uh, me and my family, we, we get a pizza and we watch National Geographic, and we watch some type of predator show, so some type of animal eating another animal, it's good stuff. But there is another show that, that, I, that I try to catch up on every once in a while, and it's a show called Shark Tank. Anybody hear that show, Shark Tank? I love this show. Nah, I love it for some bad reasons, though, to be honest with you. Um, probably borderline sinful. Um, I'm glad that's funny. Um, one of the reasons that I, I, find it humor, I find it humorous, I just, I just do, because here's somebody who has poured their life, an entrepreneur of sorts, who has poured their life and, and resources and finances, everything, into creating this one product. And this is like the moment of their life. They bring this product, right? This means everything to them, and they present it to this panel of, of, of very wealthy individuals who are, who are wanting to invest or not, and they present it, and sometimes these people just get absolutely crushed, right? I mean, come on, it's okay, you can, you can kind of laugh at that. Some of the things they come up with are completely ridiculous. There was this one where, where this guy had a website, and I think this website was called I Want to Draw You Kittens, dot com, okay? And he walked in, like, what are you doing? He's like, I just love drawing kittens. And this was a dude, okay? And like, what do you mean? I just love drawing kittens. Can I draw you a kitten? And they're like, is this a company? He's like, I'd like it to be. And they're like, huh? And that guy ended up getting invested in it. It's just crazy, right? And, and, but then there was this other guy I watched, and, and he made sweet corn tortilla chips, okay? And he said that he was the only person, the only company to actually make it um, with sweet corn. And they found that hard to believe and they ate it and they're like, this is delicious. And they're like, yeah. And, and uh, that guy didn't get, I don't believe he got an investment. Now I think that was strange, but the reasoning is, is kind of sound um, because he was a new company. And, and so all the sharks, as, as they're called, they all said the same thing. They all said, well, I love this product. I will eat this product. I'd like to buy this product in the future, but you're a young company, and I don't think that if I invested in you today, I would see my, and here's the word, return fast enough. 
I need to see my return faster. Because you understand they're investing. And, and so whatever he was asking for, maybe it was 100000 for a 10% state equity in their, in their company, whatever, 30%, whatever it might be. I'm not sure. But at whatever the point, they're saying, we're not going to see our return anytime soon. So I'm not going to invest in it. And I think in a way, this kind of sums up the mentality sometimes we have in church. Sometimes we don't invest in church. Sometimes, and I'm talking financially now. Sometimes we don't invest in a church or in a, a local uh, church because we don't feel like we are getting the return that we want. Oftentimes it creates a consumer mentality like, well, I gave to that. I should be able to say this or I should be able to do this or what am I getting immediately in return? But the thing we have to understand and that, that Proverbs is conveying uh, later, as we'll see, and Matthew is conveying and Paul is conveying is we are truly. And listen now, when it comes to investing in life change, we are laying up treasure in eternity. OK. We are laying up treasure in eternity. Now, we have a hard time planning for the future, don't we? It is hard delaying gratification. It is hard uh, planning for the future at times because we want things now. We want it now. I want that car now. I know I got to pay extra. I know I got to make more monthly payments. I know it's going to be more. I know I could save more by driving this clunker around for a little while longer and then buy it outright, the new car. But I want it now, right? And so when it comes to making investments, we have to understand when it comes to investing in life change, we have to be about the internal, the eternal return. Some things we're not going to see a return on this side of eternity. We're just not going to. But scripture does talk about the fact that when we invest, when we, when we uh, invest in his church, we are laying up treasure in Heaven. Now, more that, about that in a minute. This passage in, in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, this is what theologically is called a parable. Jesus is famous for his parables. They're stories. They are stories that convey a specific point. And the point that Jesus is trying to make here is very obvious. It's one on stewardship. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this or not. Um, this is something that we try and teach and convey to our children. It's a, difficult, it's a difficult principle to convey, this whole idea that we are stewards, right? We, we don't own what is ours. I know that sounds weird. It sounds strange. But, but all that you have belongs to Jesus. Do you agree? All that you have belongs to Jesus. And when we're talking about generosity, when we're talking about investing, it makes the conversation that much easier when we start from a place of understanding, what I have is not mine. This is not mine. I have been given this, however small this is or, or large this is, I have been given this for a period of time to steward. Now, we read in this passage of Scripture, Jesus telling this story about these three different servants. One had five talents. Now, this wasn't like five talents. What could he like juggle and jump real high and like sing? No, not talents like that. Um, talents were a measure of money, most likely around $1,000 each. So this, this servant was given roughly $5,000, something along those lines. And then another servant was given two, and then another servant was given one. And... The one servant who had five, he goes out and he doubles the money. It's not his. 
but he stewards it and invests it correctly. So that the time, by the time the master comes home, he's able to give him ten talents. The other guy who had two, he's doubled as well. He's, given, he's able to give him more. And then we see the one servant. What does he do? Well, I'm kind of scared of you, master. And I didn't want to disappoint you. So what I did was this. I dug a hole in the ground and put all the money in there. When you were coming home, I went and dug it up and brought it home. Here, here you go. And notice the master's reaction. The master isn't like, ah, oh, buddy. Right? He isn't like, ah, oh, that's so cute. No. He literally says, you wicked, slothful, lazy servant. Give me that. Takes the money, gives it to the guy who has ten. And then what does he do? Scripture says that he casts him out. Not only does he, not, not only does he take away the money he gave him, he is not even his, his servant anymore. He casts him out of his home. This is a very strong and powerful scripture. Talking and pointing to the, to the fact that we are to be stewards of what God has given to us. It is not ours. We are only to steward it correctly. And, and I, I believe that too often we end up digging holes in the ground and sticking our money in there. In other words, we often, too often, invest in things that terminate on themselves. We invest in things often that bring no return at all eternally. I would say one of the worst investments, I, it, was, it was fun, but it was probably a bad financial investment. Growing up, um, we had this cottage up in Canada. That's not the bad investment. Um, but, but my grandfather and my dad went and purchased some jet skis. Anybody ever purchased jet skis before? Now, anybody? Nobody? Um, now, these, these weren't like the humongous, just crazy awesome. These were jet skis that some lady had who was selling them on the side of the road, right? And my dad was like, why are these so cheap? And she's like, well, they're like 50 years old. And he's like, perfect, I'll take them, right? And I'll tell you why it was a bad investment. Because they didn't work all the time. And that's a really bad trait when it's a jet ski, okay? Because when you're out in the middle of a lake and you're jumping waves and just doing awesome stuff and your jet ski dies and you are 300 yards from shore or more, that's a bad day because you have to jump out and not only swim back to shore, but also pull a jet ski with you. Not awesome. This happened to me on a number of occasions. Bad investment. Oftentimes we invest in things, maybe not a bad investment like that, but we invest in things that have no eternal value. In fact, we will put all of our finances towards that, won't we? We will put all of our finances in something that gets us from point A to point B that may not have any eternal significance whatsoever, any eternal return whatsoever. We will put all of our finances into something that will keep us warm uh, in the winter and cool in the summer and look nice. Well, that may not have any eternal return. And all the while, the, the church is, is, is seeing people come to Christ and, and your local church is seeing people being baptized and, and you're like, oh, I don't want to give to that. I don't want to give. I don't want to give to that. I don't want to give. I want to build my own kingdom. I want to build my own things. And it has no, it may not have any eternal return whatsoever. But because we want to see our return in any type of investment right now, we invest in earthly things too often. Would you agree with that? Yes or no? And so what has been the church's response to this? The church classically has says, give money. God commands it. You better do it. You better, you better do it. You better do it. Or God's going to get you. He's, God is going to 
God's going to smack you one day. He's going to get you, right? And, and so what do we do? We oftentimes walk into a church, and the last thing we want to hear about is money, because every time we hear about money being preached, we walk away feeling guilty. Oh, man, I feel so bad. I'm just going to give all my money. I'm just going to give a ton of money this week. I'm just going to make a ton. And then how long does that last? One week, right? Guilt is a good short-term motivator, but not a good long-term motivator. But this is often how churches work. They want to squeeze you. They want to guilt you and bleed out every last penny because you, man, you deserve, you know, God deserves that, you know. And I don't think that's the right response either. Look at this, found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 12. I want to read this to you. Starting in verse 12. Whatever you give, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Now, what is Paul talking about here? Basically, it's this. And I'm going to have to give a little bit of a backstory. Most of us, if not all of us, have probably grown up hearing that we need to tithe, right? How many of us have heard, we need to tithe? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of, uh, of the people in our church, a lot of you are new believers, and that is not a, a word that you have even ever heard. Like, you don't pull into Wendy's and they say, welcome to Wendy's, how much are you tithing today? Like, nobody really uses that word until you come to church culture and you're just like, I don't know what that is. I guess it's something, I don't know, right? And, and so you don't know if you should give money in church. You don't know how much you should give. You don't know when you should give. You don't know what this tithing thing is. So let me, let me explain. Tithing is an Old Testament principle, an Old Testament command, truly. And classically, we have said that it's 10% of your gross income you are to, as Scripture says, take it to the storehouse, take it to the church and give of it, 10%. You're like, whoa, 10%? Yeah, it gets even crazier. Because in fact, in Scripture, in biblical times rather, it wasn't truly just 10%. It was upwards of 25 to 27% that people were expected to tithe to their local temple. It went to things like, uh, um, it went to widows and orphans. It went to feeding the hungry. It went to the priests and paying them and their salaries. It, it went to um, festivals. Literally, they tithed to a party fund. Seriously, those Jews got down. It was crazy. I'm serious, those festivals. Um, and, and, and so a lot of us today, we have been raised saying like, okay, well, I need to tithe. I need to set apart 10% of my income. So here's where the guilt comes in. You walk into church, you're a single mother, recently divorced, husband left you, two kids, you're working one, two jobs, and you're like, man, if, if I give 10%, it will completely destroy me. I, I, don't, have, I don't have 10%. I have, 10, I have like $10 this week to figure out how to feed my kids. And, and listen, I don't, I don't want you to, to think I'm like making that up. That's a real scenario. And I hear that scenario often. And so when you walk into a church and somebody says like, oh, you've only got $10, well, give it to God. Well, how am I going to, what do you mean, how am I going to feed my, you got to have faith, man. You got to have faith. Well, how am I going to feed my, you got to have faith. God demands that you give temper. Like, just ease, ease up a little bit there. Because according to Paul, what he says in chapter 8, verse 12 through 14, is this, if you make this amount of money, but give this amount of money, you're not intelligent. <laughs> Don't give more than you have. Don't do that. Why does Paul say this? 
Paul said this because of legalism. People were trying to adhere to the Old Testament law in a New Testament society. See, here's the thing you have to understand about the law and about Jesus Christ, about the Old Covenant and Jesus Christ, the New Covenant. When Jesus Christ died for us on the cross, the Old Covenant was done away with. The Old Covenant included things like tithing. The Old Covenant included things like killing animals and sacrificing goats for your sin, right? So basically, if you're going to tithe, hope you bring a baby goat with you because you should probably be doing that as well, okay? We pick and choose certain things. But the fact of the matter is, when Jesus Christ died and rose again, he brought in, he ushered in a new era. It's not the old covenant, it's the new covenant. It's not just law, now it's also grace. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. We would not have been able to be saved under the old covenant. You understand that? You're not a Jew. Maybe some of you are. I don't know. I'm not. I would not have been able to be saved. I could not have a personal relationship with God had it not been for Jesus Christ. So I'm thankful for that. But under the new covenant, tithing is done away with. And you're like, woo, no giving at all. Yes, I know I love this church, right? It's not what it is. Something different is ushered in. It's generous and generosity and sacrifice. See, now instead of having to give because it's what's demanded and here's the exact percentage and here's when you give it and here's how you give it and here's where all this kind of stuff, now scripture tells us Give generously, give joyfully, and give sacrificially. And I'll leave that up to you. I love, I love that. But at the same time, I kind of hate it. <laughs> I love it and I hate it. I love it because that's just the way of Jesus, isn't it? Generous, joyful, sacrificial. But then it all impacts us on different levels. Because here's the thing. If you say give 10% of your gross income to your church, to, like I said, to that single mother with, with, uh, with a kid or two who's working, who recently divorced, whatever, that's going to wreck her. But to a very affluent and wealthy person, 10%, that's not going to affect them at all. They're not even going to feel that. Oh, yeah, did you write that 10%? Yeah, good, okay. They're not even going to know. How does that work? But in the new covenant... We go through and we are accountable and we look at what we have and say, okay, what can I give that will be of a sacrifice? And what would be generous for me to give? See, oftentimes people say they're generous. Oftentimes very wealthy people are said they're the most generous person. They gave a million dollars. A million dollars? A million. Well, they have $75 million. Not as generous as you think. You see what I'm saying? It sounds generous, but it may not be as generous. Here, here's maybe a better way to say it. Uh, you, you, you show me your generosity by your level of sacrifice. Like I, I, like I can judge your level of generosity by your level of sacrifice. And, and giving should be a joyful experience, truly. And, and we should be generous because Jesus has been generous with us. He's given us his life and he, he's given us salvation and everything you have is God's. Right. And so we should be generous, but we should also be sacrificial. Your giving should impact your lifestyle. I'm not going to lie to you. It should. It should. And that's sacrifice. Now, it doesn't have to impair your lifestyle in a way like, yeah, well, sorry, kids. We can't afford our mortgage this month. Daddy had to write the tithe check. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's the old covenant, man. That's, you're free from that. That's law. You're free from that. Now it's now it's grace. Now it's truth and grace in Jesus Christ. But maybe there are times where you say, you know, hey, we don't, we don't need a we. 
We don't need we don't need that. We I'm I'm not just like picking on Nintendo. Sorry, we don't need that. You know, it would be a better investment and sacrificial for us to invest in our church. So why don't we put the money there? Why don't we do that? And here's the thing. You know, I kind of baited you at first with the whole um, you don't see the return till eternity because the the fact of the matter is we get to see our return on our investment every Sunday here, every day, every day. You know, in the last five years that we've been a church, almost five years, we're coming up on our five-year anniversary. In the last five years, we've seen over 500 people make first-time decisions to accept Jesus Christ. In the last five years, we've seen over 400 people become baptized. In the last five, in the last five years, we've, we, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people, hundreds of people involved in sea life groups every single week, doing life with each other, doing community with each other, understanding that Sunday is just the start. We've given thousands and thousands of dollars to, to missions and to outreach and collected thousands and thousands of pounds of food for homeless ministries and dedicated like many, 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 many hours to, to local uh, outreach partners. I mean, this is a good place to invest. I know I'm partial. I mean, this is like my favorite place to be. This is, this is my church. You're my family, and I love you. But I'm a little partial, but I still believe it's a good place to invest. And, and the return on that investment it's seeing somebody that we saw accept Jesus Christ come out of the water a new man. The return on our financial investment is, is seeing a student who, who did not know Jesus now writing down their testimony that we read in a Sea Life magazine. That's a return on investment. A return on investment is, is sending a kid on a mission trip. A return on investment is every time I hear about a, a child back in our Sea Kids department who accepts Jesus. Those are good returns. Those are great returns. We get double our money when we invest here. Not only do we get a return on investment now, and we get to see that life change, but we also are storing up treasure in heaven. Listen, someday each and every one of us are going to stand and give an account to God for what he has given to us. And I believe God isn't going to say like, okay, what did you do for me? Next. All right, what did you do? No, God is going to say, okay, I gave this to you. What did you do with this? Remember Matthew 25? We just read it. He gave different servants different amounts of money. This is a parable for us, church. Someday we will stand before God and God's going to say, okay, I gave you this. I gave you this much finance. I gave you this much ability, this, this much smarts. I don't know. Hopefully we're not held accountable for our, our IQ. I'm in trouble. I gave you this. Now, now, Travis, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you invest it? How did you steward it properly? Each and every one of us. Well, God, I bought a couple of this, this, this stuff. I bought this, these things. I, you know, I, I went over here and I bought this. And I bought, okay, I, no, no. What does it have to do with me? No, 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 no. What did you do with it for me to build my kingdom? I'm not talking about your kingdom. My kingdom. Sometimes... Man, I just got to have a reality check and look and say, am I building my own kingdom? Am I more concerned with building my kingdom than my Savior's kingdom? We recently purchased this old school farmhouse, right? And uh, I mean, we could spend as much money there as we wanted. I mean, uh, we won't because I don't have that. But you get my point, right? You could put in this and you could put in this. And every time you think about, well, I could do this, then it's going to cost this to do this. And then we've got to buy five different sanders to do this. And then, you know, I've got to buy this and this and this. And it's so easy to get caught up in building your own kingdom and justifying it. 
And all the while, Jesus is standing here saying, like, come invest in this, something that has eternal, eternal implications. So core five principle for us, we say we invest in life change. You can't outgive God when you invest in his church, lives are changed. Now, I'm going to close with this. I'm going to close with this. We'll call the band up right now if you could. Um, as a way to kind of jumpstart this, okay, we're going to jumpstart this because for some of you, you're like, whoa, I didn't even know I was supposed to give money, like at all. Like seriously, this is a big deal. Um, in an effort to jumpstart this, we're going to do something together as a family, okay? Family moment. We're going to do something as a church, as a community, as a family. We're going to do this thing called a 12-week giving challenge, okay? 12-week giving challenge, and it's going to start next Sunday, okay? And you're like, I don't have to give any money today. Woo, all right, next Sunday, good. Um, now, it's going to start next Sunday, and here's what I want you to do. Here's a commitment that I want you to make, all right? Not as a person of covenant church, but as a brother and sister in Christ. I want you to go home today or sit down with your family, your mom, your dad, your husband, your spouse, your kids, whatever, this week, and I want you to go through your budget. I literally want you to sit down, and I want you to ask this question, these questions, ready? What would be generous of us to give to invest in life change at Covenant Church? What would be sacrificial for us to invest at Covenant Church? Those are the questions I want you to ask. I want you to give generously, and I want you to give sacrificially. Thanks for listening to this recent sermon from Covenant Church. If you made any type of decision today after hearing this message, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us at mystory@covenantchurchonline.com and check back regularly for more exciting and impactful sermon audio just like this.